Well, welcome, my friends, to Halfway There. This is Eric Nevins. I'm your host. And this is a show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I can't wait to share this episode with you. If you noticed this particular episode, we're going back to the old style of Halfway There, where I would share a little bit about the episode and uh, before we would just run a the, the conversation. So I want to tell you a little bit about this uh, conversation. But before I do, I have a favor to ask of you. I want to know what you think of this show. What do, what do you like about Halfway There? What do you not like about Halfway There? What would help you more? If you like the show, go ahead and leave a review in iTunes. I haven't asked for that for a long time, but if you like it, man, it would be really helpful to just leave some feedback there and have you, um, you know, just just give us a five-star rating if that's what you think it is. And just say some nice things about it so that other people, when they come across the show, can figure out what uh, what the show's about and, and what other people like about it. That is super helpful. But also, I want to connect with you. And so there's a lot of ways to do that. Whatever your social media preference is, um, if you like, uh, you know, Twitter or Instagram or um, Facebook, I'm, I'm on Facebook. I have groups on Facebook, you know, always great, great places to connect with me. Um, or even other social media, uh, whatever. I'm on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you there. Uh, you can find all of that in the show notes of this episode or just on halfwaytherepodcast.com. Also, while you're there, you can hit the contact button in the upper right-hand uh, corner and just send me a, an email if you don't want to put something out there on social media. I'd love to, have, to hear from you in that way. But I want to know, what do you like? How is this show helping you? Does this show actually do any good in your in your walk on a weekly basis? Um, I need to know that, and I wanna I wanna know what uh, what's going on when this thing goes out and it enters leaves my world and enters your world. That's that's what I would like to know. But um, so reach out and please do that. Now this episode is an amazing one. I love it. Um, I sat down with uh, this wonderful woman at our church. She's uh, she's 97 years old. She has a YouTube channel. We talk about that. I just want to let you know, in the recording is not the best. And so um, it's, you're going to hear a lot of background noise. I did my best to kind of get that out of the, the way for you in the audio, but it's still going to be there. Um, so just you might have to turn up turn up your volume a little bit so you can hear what we're saying. But uh, otherwise, I think it will be just fine. And you're going to learn something. I mean, this this woman's love for Jesus is just so evident. And uh, I know that it's going to bless you. So let's get into the show. Well, welcome, friends. This is Halfway There, and I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited about this episode of the show because um, my guest is the only 97-year-old I know with her own YouTube channel, Edith Leland. Edith, thank you so much for being here, and welcome to Halfway There. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about it. I've heard you share some of your stories, and you've been one of the people that different people throughout the church have said to me, you have to talk to Edith. Oh. And uh, you probably didn't know that, but no. I think um, you that you're just, you sort of exude Christ, and I'm excited to just hear your story and how you, how the, how you grew in that. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about you and kind of your, like where you are now and Maybe how you got a YouTube channel, and then uh, we'll, we'll go from there. All right. Well, um, I got my YouTube channel because my daughter uh, felt that I needed to get some of my stories out mm. um, in the world. And uh, I thought, she said, Mom, you need, a YouTube, you need a blog. And I said, what's a blog? Yeah. And uh, so she explained it to me. And... And then she came and recorded me on some of my experiences, um, which I thought was kind of fun. And then she, she got them on YouTube so that they've gone out to the world. So even though I was never a missionary, my word well, 
for the Lord has gone out all over the world. I've had emails from Switzerland, from France, from Malawi, from uh, I don't know how many countries of the world that the Lord has touched lives because of that ministry. Yeah. So that means so much to me. Yeah, friends, this is what I'm talking about. Edith has just a tremendous influence. Um, yeah, any, any story that you hear, anytime you hear her talk, it's just awesome. And so I'll link to your YouTube channel in our show notes, which will be on my website. And so everybody who listens knows you can go to halfwaytherepodcast.com and it'll be just be in the in the show notes there. Um, click on the one that says your name, and and they'll be all set. So, um, but that'll be that'll be there. Um, so tell me about where where did you grow up? I grew up in Illinois in a little tiny suburb just just um, south of Chicago. Okay. And it was a little town. It was sort of in the forest. And uh, there was only about 800 people in the town. I had a wonderful father. My father would read scripture to us after every supper meal and pray with us. And uh, sometimes when I was little, I would say, may I be excused? And they would say, we have not finished yet. So to me, wow. the word finish meant reading the Bible and praying. Wow. So, yeah. That's interesting. So you were feasting not just on your meal, but also on the word. Absolutely. Every meal. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So near Chicago, does that make you a White Sox fan? No, I was a Cubs fan. All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> I grew up watching the Iowa Cubs. Oh. And uh, But I'm a Cardinals fan, really. So. Oh, really? <laughs> we, we can still get along. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, okay, that's great. So you sounds like you grew up in a real Christian family. My father was a strong believer. Okay. And, uh, yes, we he had every job in the church except that of pastor, I think. Oh, wow. So he served a lot. He did. Okay. He did, yeah. How'd that impact you as a child? Oh, it made me love the Lord, too. Because, yeah. of course, I had been saved when I was six. And, uh, but it was easy for me to know I needed to be saved because my dad had read scripture to me all these years. Sure. So what, what happened? Tell us about how you were saved, how that came uh, My aunt and uncle took me to their church. They were having revival mm. services there. And uh, the girl that preached, her name was Aldine Utley. Oh, wow. She did preach the word of truth. And I was very convicted. And, of course, I would not go forward because I was much too shy to do that. But uh, when I went home that night, I laid in bed and I cried myself to sleep because I knew Jesus had had to die for me. Wow. So uh, from that time on, the Lord was with me. So you were sensitive to that even as a six-year-old? Yes. Wow. Yes. I think it was because of my daddy's reading scripture. Yeah, he kind of infused that into you. Yeah. Oh, man. What an, you know, as a father, that's a real testament to me, you know, um, to keep reading scripture with, with our kids. Oh, it's so important. Yeah. Man, I had a, I don't usually share this much about myself on the show. I don't want to make it about you, but this reminds me of the story last night. My littlest is seven. And he said last night, he goes, Dad, I keep having bad dreams every night. I get scared. So I said, all right, well, you know, you have Jesus in your heart, and you can pray, and he's always with you. So I prayed with him and prayed that he would have a good dream. And the first thing he said to me this morning was, Dad, I had a great dream. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. He couldn't tell, I forget what he said it was about, but it was it was just a, one of those things. Like, oh, okay, those father moments when you can yeah. infuse that into your kid's life so oh, yeah. are really powerful. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow, okay, so can I ask what year that was? When I was saved? When you were saved, yeah. It was 1926. Okay, wow, all right. So, because that's interesting, you know, a woman preaching and a revival meeting, we don't really have those much anymore. No, it's just gone out of, well, I think people would absolutely... 
I don't think they'd want anything to do with it anymore. Yeah. Most people. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Um, so you grew up then you were grew up in this Christian house. What did you where'd you end up going when you got when you got old enough? Did you go to school or what did you do? I went to DeKalb to school, to Northern Illinois University in mm-hmm. DeKalb. I was going to be a school teacher. Okay. I wanted to be a home ec teacher, and uh, back in those years, in order to be a home ec major, you had to have four years of college chemistry. Oh, wow. And I, <laughs> if I could have had one year like they do now, I think I could, if I'd have been tutored, I could have slipped through one year, yeah. but four years, and my advisor said, you're going to have to change your major. You're going to have to change to early elementary. Well, I really didn't want early elementary. But the young man who I was dating at the time said, Well, if you'll marry me, I'll give you all the home ec you want. (laughs) So uh, eventually we did marry. (laughs) That's a great line. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so. that really wasn't his proposal, you Good, understand. Yeah. Good. <laughs> so it's been a great walk. Wow. Okay. Great walk. So you got married. So in your in your formative years, besides your dad speaking to you and and doing that, like, do you have any kind of does any memory stick out where you like learned something about God that like early on in, in your in your early years? Uh, like a verse or a experience that you had with God that helped you learn to trust Him? I don't really remember things, anything in particular, but I, I do know that I was so surprised at one point in my life because there was one of the girls, one of my friends, who accepted the Lord as her Savior, and we had grown up by now. I was gone. I was married. And she wrote to me and thanked me for my, <clears throat> for my the way I lived for the Lord because that helped her to come to the Lord. Wow. And I had no idea I was impacting anybody's life. Wow. No idea at all. But it was God. It wasn't me. It was God in me and through me. Yeah. It was Him using you. Yeah. Because He made you to do that. Yeah. 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 Because we're just a tool. You know, a tool can't do a thing but lay on the workbench. It cannot move itself a quarter of an inch. Sure. It isn't until its craftsman comes along and picks it up that something can really begin to happen. Yeah. Well, we're God's tools. And we can't do a thing in our flesh to honor the Lord. But when our craftsman comes along and picks us up, that's when things begin to happen. Amen. Yeah. Wow. So you got married. Yeah. What happened then? Well, we went to West Virginia because my husband's first teaching job was in a little mountain town in West Virginia, and it was the most difficult experience of my life because while we were there, I was only there for six months. He had been there for the full year. Um, But uh, there was a train blew up, which had been sitting right behind our apartment, uh, it, the engineer pulled it around the mountain because he was flagged by the flagman to get it out of town. There were some little boys that had wondered what they were loading into that uh, boxcar, and they didn't have flashlights. They had matches, and um, what they had been loading was oxygen tanks to blow up in the mines, and they were cushioned on straw so that the bouncing of the train would not disturb them. And these little boys would use the matches, and they'd burn down toward their fingers, and they'd drop them. Oh, no. So that straw caught on fire, and when the train pulled around the mountain, those oxygen tanks blew up, and we could see red-hot wheels up in the air behind the mountain, up in the air above the mountain. Wow. And it was... That's awful. Yeah, that was hard. And the theater next door to us burned down, and the corner restaurant burned down, and the schoolhouse where my husband was teaching burned down, 
so that he could not teach his uh, shop work anymore because we had even he had even brought his own tools because they were just now starting this shop program so he had to teach mathematics for the rest of the year and we decided we needed to get back to Illinois yeah so we came back home it was a hard year yeah what was your relationship with God like during that year oh it was good Mm. it was good yeah and and we found believing friends there although the culture there was like living in a different country yeah but uh, and we got home (laughs) that's good what did you do when you were home when we were what when you got home what what did you do um, we lived with his mother for a f- month or so until we could find housing for ourselves. And uh, then we had a, a little upstairs apartment that we rented. And uh, my husband, of course, had a teaching job in in the north then. And uh, so then we we just we then we moved again, but. Finally, we moved back to his mother's house because he got a job in that town, in Oak Park. Okay. And um, we lived with her because she was getting kind of feeble and couldn't keep up with things anymore. And uh, so we lived there for many, many years. The house we lived in, our children were the fifth generation of my husband's family to live there. Wow. So it was... It was had a lot of history. No kidding. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. How long did you live there? Uh, we lived there from 1941, no, 42, to 1979. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow, had a amazing. good church there. That's good. Yeah. Um. So, did your husband have to go into the war at all, or was he... No, he was teaching, at that time, retarded boys. Okay. And the superintendent of schools went to the draft board and said, if you take this man, there's about 12 retarded boys that'll be set loose on the streets. And so they didn't take him. Wow. Okay. So... Interesting. Okay, so he was able to stay home and... Yeah. And teach those boys. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So I know that you have... Oh, I want to ask this question. Um, have you ever had a time during your journey where you felt like God was far away or distant or you were upset with Him? No, I can't really oh, think of anything. He's mm-hmm. He's always been so in touch with me. Yeah. Well, for instance, um, after my husband passed away, about two years after he was gone, I thought, maybe I live, need to move and get closer to one of my children. I didn't want to live with them, but I wanted perhaps to live near them. And so I took six months off, and I went to visit each one of my children, I went, I have five, and I went um, and spent about five weeks with each one of them. Well, it was just obvious the Lord was not giving me a green light on any of that. And so I was flying back to Dallas, where we were living at that point, and um, I was looking out the window and praying, and I said, Lord, I've been with my children for six months, and now I'm going home and I'll be all alone. How am I going to handle it? And out on the clouds, there was a big, round rainbow on the clouds, and the shadow of the plane I was flying in was right in the middle of it. Wow. And it was like God was saying, I'm going home with you, I'm going to surround you, and you're going to be all right. I lived there another nine years uh, by myself, and I was never lonely once. Wow. And one morning in my spirit, I heard, it's time to go. 
and I said, Lord, is that you? I said, I wouldn't have any idea where to go. I wouldn't know how to leave. I wouldn't know how to sell my house. I wouldn't know how to do anything like that. Uh, so I, I wonder, you know, and then in a few days he gave me a verse from Exodus and it says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place that I have prepared for you. And I said, okay, Lord, you're going to have to help. Well, he did. Every detail was taken care of. Then, and I didn't know where I was going to go. Then my daughter called me and she said, hey, Mom, have you ever thought of moving to Denver? And I said, well, no. Um, why do you ask? Well, she just thought maybe it might be a good idea. Hmm. And uh, so I prayed about that. And God worked out every detail. My house sold, put my car in the moving van, got in the airplane to fly up here to Denver, and out on the clouds there appeared the round rainbow. What? Again, with the plane in the center of it. I know I'm where I belong. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you know, seeing that one time, you would think, okay, this happened and that's good. Seeing it twice? Oh. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, and he has done so many things. There's no way I could doubt him. Mm. Uh, one night I had gone to bed. This was when I was still with my husband, uh, but he was still living. Um, and I was laying there waiting to fall asleep. We had missionaries, a missionary couple from our church that had gone to Guatemala, Dave and Carol. And um, as I was laying there in bed, all of a sudden I saw David's face just as clearly as I can see yours. And he looked so worried. His face was gone and I saw Carol's and she was crying. And I said, Lord, are they in some kind of difficulty? Do they need help? Please, whatever it is, help them. And oh God, don't let her lose the baby. Well, as far as I knew, she wasn't even pregnant. Wow. The next day I got a letter from Carol, which she had written a couple weeks before. This would be for email. Yeah. And um, she said, I'm pregnant again, and I've been threatening to lose the baby. And so I wrote, immediately sat down and wrote them a letter telling them what had happened. Got a letter back from David, and he said, Now we understand what we couldn't understand. The night that God led you to pray, Carol had come down with typhoid fever. Wow. And he said, All night long I kept saying, Carol, I don't understand why you haven't lost the baby. And he said, Now we know. When that baby was three months old, they were coming home on furlough, and he stood there in the in the church with this baby in his arms, and of course everybody in the, so many were around him, you know, wanting to see that new baby. Sure. He saw me back on the fringes of the crowd. He's a tall man. He simply handed that baby over everybody's head and put him in my arms, and I couldn't see that baby's face for tears. Wow. And now that baby is a missionary himself in Guatemala. You know, God didn't need me for that. I mean, God knew he wanted that young man yeah. in Guatemala. What God, I feel like what God does, he, he shares with us, lets us enter into what he wants to do to let us have some of the blessing of it. Yeah. And it blessed many people because... Of course, they told, they shared that with their family and with a whole lot of other people. Oh, yeah. So God, oh, he just does yeah. such beautiful things. Well, even you sharing it with me, I mean, I'm sitting here just going, oh, this is, I know. This is amazing. It's beautiful. I know. Um, so you, you seem to have this really intimate relationship with God. Oh, dear. When did that start for you? I think it was after my husband passed away. Which was when? He died in... 86. Okay. Yeah. 
What, what was different about your relationship well, with him after that? My husband was not a well person, and so my my time was very de- it was very demanding, you know, and that my attention had to be focused for his needs. And when he passed, it kind of, in a sense, set me free to to just concentrate on the Lord and whatever the Lord had for me. And I think that's when things really began to blossom. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Although these things had been going on long before. Yeah. So many miracles. When, when we were living in Oak Park, um, we had uh, in, our, in our church, we had a youth group. It was uh, young people that, that uh, some of their parents lived at a long distance away. Some of their parents were on the mission field, so they couldn't go home. So we just decided to adopt, adopt them mm-hmm. and uh, let them have a home away from home. They knew they were welcome any hour of the day or night. Well, there was one day, it was the last day of the month, my husband was going to be paid the next day, and we did not have enough money, enough food for supper. And uh, my husband always served the plates, and the first one always came down to me, the other end of the table. And when he, I said, honey, there's only just a tiny little bit of roast beef left. I said, you're going to have to just give us tiny portions. And uh, so we started, we were going to ask the blessing, and the doorbell rang. It was five of our girls from the youth group. Wow. And I opened the door, and one of them said, hi, Mom, is supper ready yet? <laughs> what, I, what are you thinking? Uh, I, was, I thought, I don't even have a can of tuna fish on the shelf. I can't. What am I going to do? I said, come on in. So we set five more places at the table. See, there was eight of us to begin with. Oh, yeah. And um, and I tried to catch my husband's eye, and I couldn't. And, and anyway, we asked the blessing, and then he started serving the plates. First one came down to me, I think a third of the meat that was on that platter was on my plate. And I just sat looking at my lap. I could not bear to watch when he ran out of food. Well, he didn't. Everybody had just as much on their plate as I had on mine. And I put roast beef in the refrigerator as leftovers when the meal was over. So God just multiplied it. Like he did the loaves and the fishes. Yeah. Wow, that's that's unbelievable. Yeah. That's oh, like, he's just—he's done such amazing things. When did you know? Like, wait a minute, what's happening here? When did you start to wonder about that? Well, when I saw that everybody was getting <laughs> enough food, you know. Uh, and then there was another time when my, you know, my son. My oldest son was on the mission field for 31 years. He was over in the jungles of Irianjaya, Indonesia. And, oh, he, he went over there to minister to cannibals. And when he left, I said, Honey, isn't it a good thing you're skinny? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, over there they had the MAF planes, you know, to fly from one place to another. And I was praying for him one day and just praying along my usual prayer. And then all of a sudden I heard myself say, Oh God, open up a hole in the clouds so they can see where to land. Well, I've had these things happen enough that I wasn't too surprised, you know. So I wrote to him and told him, I said, were you up in a plane by any chance on that day? He said, yes, we were. He said, we were flying from one place to another. And of course, those MAF planes don't have the bells and whistles on that all the other jets have. And he said, when we took off from the ground, the sky was clear. We had flown very far when the clouds closed in. 
and we could not see where we were flying. I mean, there's mountains over there. They could have been flying into a mountainside and they wouldn't have known. And he said, all of a sudden, there was a slit, a hole opened in the clouds, and there was the landing strip that we were to go to. And he said, we got in and landed, and the clouds closed in behind us. Wow. So, there's no way I can ever doubt my father. Yeah. No way. Yeah. That, but that's un- it's an unusual gift. Oh, he gives gifts all over the place. He does. That is true. That is true. Absolutely. Well, that's what I think is really special about you. Is There's nothing special about well, me. I'm an ordinary woman who loves the Lord, and that's all that I am. Okay. I'll, I'll take that. But I think that, it's, that you're, you just have this genuine heart for looking for God in, in a way that I think is, is unique. And it, is, it yeah. is a gift from him. Yeah. It is a gift from him. It is. It's, it's so exciting. How did, uh, so it's interesting, so you're, when your husband passed away, you said then you're, so you were, how, how old were you about that point? You were probably. I was 64. Okay, so you're in your 60s. And then all of a sudden, or maybe not all of a sudden, uh, it sounds like your, your walk with him did it, did it change or did it just sort of deepen in a, as like you've always had these kind of Yeah, I had more situations. time now yeah. that I could concentrate on my walk with the Lord where I didn't have to feel constant pulling, never knowing what I might need to do next, you know. Sure. So what does that look like for you? What does is, what is more time with the Lord look like? Oh, it's so precious. <laughs> So precious. What do you do? Can you just walk us through, like, like if somebody's so? I'm, here's what I'm thinking: If somebody's listening to this, and they're going, "I would love to have a relationship with God like that," and not everybody's relationship is going to be the same. No, in fact, God doesn't want everybody's to be the same. Right. I have a quote in my email that, from Oswald Chambers that says, uh, "Never make a principle out of your own experience, but leave God enough room." to be as original with other people as he is with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Which I love. And so I think that's true. Yeah. But on the other hand, one of the things we do as, as young believers is we look at people who have gone before and we see, well, what did they do to kind of nurture that relationship with the Lord, that friendship with the Lord? So what do you do? Like just kind of help somebody who doesn't know what to do. What would, what would you recommend? Oh, I, I have... Um, I have a regular, I, I have a calendar, and I'll try to explain it. Um, um, and I, everything that I need to pray for, I write on the date when it's happening um, with red ink, so that everything that's in red I know I have to pray for on those days. I have people go on mission trips, I put a lot a deep line through all the days of their mission trip because I know when I see that line I need to be praying for this missionary then uh, um, things in green I mark well like doctor's appointments and sure. I've got uh, Larry Nevins written on yeah, here you got somewhere. me right on there yep. <laughs> and, uh, so I use this as a basis for prayer and then I always read scripture before I do anything. And I read, I go through, I read something in the Old Testament in the morning and something in the New Testament at, in the evening so that I get a good balance yeah. from the scripture. And, uh, oh, that's exciting. I'll have to share that one with you. Um, anyway, um then I have a prayer journal, which I have divided into sections. The first section is for my family, and I pray for all my family every day, every day. I so have their picture. How big is your family? You have four, five kids. Five and children, and I have six grandchildren and nine great-grandchildren. Wow, okay. So the next one is my church, and I have my church people that I pray for. 
Oh, that's great. And you're in here. That's awesome. There you are. Yeah. And then I pray for my nation. Oh, my <laughs> nation. We need it. Oh. It's and an then I pray time. for the sick. Those people who have come to me for prayer because they're sick. And the next one is for friends, the different requests that these people. And you see the paper clip. There's so many things to pray for, and they're all important. Mm -hmm. But I can't pray for this many things in one day's time. I may only have 24 hours. Yeah. So I use this paper clip, and I prayed for this one today. I'll pray for and then I move the paper clip down. I pray oh, for this. Gotcha. Everybody gets prayed for regularly. Yeah. And then the next one is my missionaries. And, and you've oh, got... I'm just going to describe this for our friends. So you've got pictures of people. So you, your missionary pages, you've got a picture yes. clipped in here so you can see them and think I about them. I put my hand notes. over them as I pray for them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then I pray for the unsaved and prodigals. And again, I use the paper clip. And then this, these are people I pray for every single day. This is oh. pastor's children. Oh, great. And these things are just critical. I, I pray for the president and the, the widows, and all these things need prayer every day. So there's no paperclip on this one. Yeah. No. That's anyway. true. <laughs> and it works. Yeah, it, it does. Works. Wow, that's that's very organized. Yeah. But it's amazing. That's... Well, I started to tell you about reading the Bible morning and night. Uh, one of my sons, when he got to be a junior in high school, drifted away from the Lord. And he really was going the wrong direction. Nothing we would say to him, he wouldn't listen to us. He was blind to what he was doing to himself. Um, uh, but he was still going to the youth group at church. So that was good. But I wore my knees out praying for that young man. Mm. And I thought, and, and I went to his room one day, and in his bedside table drawer, he had a butane lighter. And I picked that lighter up, and I said, Lord, you know that we can I cannot say one thing to my son that would have an impact. I'm giving this to you. And I pray that you will do something with it. And I put it right back where it was. I went to his dresser and I picked up a skull that he had on his dresser. And I said, it's the same thing for this. And I'm giving this to you. Please take care of it. And I put it right back. And I went to a picture on his wall that some girl had painted for him. It had a cross with the arms like this. Okay. Instead of straight across, yeah, and I did not, I did not approve of that. Again, I put that in God's hands, and left it right there. So then, he went to the youth group, and they were planning a camp out, a camp trip, for the summer. It was going to be two weeks. They were going to a camp up in northern Minnesota, and I heard that there were bears up there. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm maybe going to be safe. And, uh, and then he, he hated his sister with a passion. At that time, they're the best of friends. Now, incidentally, I have his permission to share this story. Oh, good, that's good. <laughs> anyway, um, I thought, would he push her off a cliff or something while they were up there? I was quite uh, eh, concerned and praying and praying and praying. And it was called Camp Wilderness. Okay. It's what the camp was called. And I just happened to be in Isaiah for my prayer time that morning. It just happened to be there. Mm -hmm, right. You're doing square quotes. I, I, Quote, read, quote, yeah. I read the Bible straight through, you know. All right, this is what it said. The wilderness 
-hmm. and the solitary place shall be glad for them. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like a rose. Strengthen your weak hands and confirm your feeble needs. Say to her that is, I put her, her in there because say to her that is of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with a vengeance. Even he will come and save. Then the eyes of the blind, I've got goosebumps, yeah. shall be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame man is going to leap as a heart. In the wilderness, waters will break out. Remember that. Waters will break out and streams in the desert. No lion shall be there, nor any other ravenous beast. <laughs> Only the redeemed of the Lord shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return, both of them, <laughs> and they will come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy on their heads. Then shall joy and gladness be there, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And I said, God, that's got to be a message for, from you. Thank you for what you're going to do. And I, I was at peace, and then I thought, I've taken that all out of context. That's about Israel. Mm. And then I thought, no. When God is going to do something big, he will often have something smaller as kind of an illustration of it. Sure. So I'm taking that. Yeah. Well, he came home a different young man. Wow. And I said, what happened up there? He said, well, we were out on a lake when, one day. There was about five, five canoes, because there was quite a group of them. And he was in the first canoe, and they were, everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, a terrible storm came up. Terrible storm. Waves that were huge. They knew their boat was going to swamp. But it didn't. Um, and he was paddling ferociously to try to get to the shore. And he looked, glanced behind him, and he said, I saw God's arm. And it was right over this row of boats that was coming in. And they were all paddling as ferociously as he was. And they all made it to shore, and they were all safe. Wow. So it said, waters will break out. Uh-huh. So, wow. what a deal. Wow. What a deal. I tell you, God is so full of surprises. He is full of surprises, and that's what I think is awesome, right? It's very... Um, when you when you can have that friendship with God, which I hear you describing, you know, it really does change the way that you see oh. Him and what He's doing in the world and how He cares oh. for you. Makes such a difference. And you know, when you when you bathe yourself in this Word, it just makes such a difference. And He has shown me from the things I've read in Scripture and the ways that you put them together. He has shown me his design for this world. And I've got it on one of my videos on YouTube, um, how to live right side up in an upside down world. Yeah. And it's, it's so clear. He even uses evil people to accomplish exactly the goal that he's heading for. Yeah. Because like with, in the Old Testament, the Assyrians, they... They were such an evil people. And he said, if I can just remember it for word for word, he said the Assyrian, because he was wanting to punish his people Israel, yeah. the Assyrian, the rod in their hand is the rod of my anger. And the sword in, their, in, in them is my indignation. Mm. And so he uses evil. Yeah. to accomplish. He's got this purpose in mind, 
which he's going to do. He's had it. I asked him one time, I said, Lord, I don't understand. You knew what was going to happen. You knew that we were going to fall and it was going to take the life of your son to do something about it. You knew all that way ahead of time. Why did you even start this thing in the beginning? And I don't think I'll have the answer to that until <laughs> I get to glory. But he has a good purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Always. Always. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think maybe in the end we'll know. Maybe, maybe in eternity. But I'm, I've come to believe through doing this podcast that we're never going to exhaust the limits oh, of never. who God is. It Even throughout eternity, oh, because he is infinite. You know, one time... One time I was trying to worship the Lord, and I was worshiping Him, and then I stopped and I said, Lord, I'm supposed to worship you for all eternity, and I've run out of words in five minutes. How am I going to worship you for all? And in my spirit, He said, when you get to glory, I'm going to share something with you about me that you have never known before, and you will worship. And then I'm going to share something else that you have never known. And you'll worship again. And I will never run out of things to share with you for all eternity. Wow. That's how big our God is. Yeah. So we can't possibly, with our finite minds, imagine what it's going to be like. Right. That's a surprises. I know. It's just, that's, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you've given us a little bit about how you do, how you approach your relationship with the Lord and some of the experiences that you've had. What do you think, what would you say to like a younger person? Um, let's, say, let's say, you know, like I, I have high school kids, right? Kids in high, I have high, kids in high school. What would you say to them about how, how, what kind of choices should they make or what, how should they try to approach the Lord? You know, that's difficult for me to answer, Eric, because I'm so far from high school days. They children, have a different world now. And it's don't a they? whole different world. Yeah. They're coping with far different things than my children ever coped with. Yeah. But I would say, basically, the important thing is staying in this word mm. and really trusting the Lord. Just bathe themselves in the Word, because no matter what generation it is, uh, that Word is still powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's all I would know today with the things they're coping with today. Well, I think you're right. That's the universal, isn't it? It's always, the Scripture is always the thing that helps us to keep our focus on, on God and what He wants and who He wants us to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Wow. I was flying to visit one of my children in the east, and I hate to fly. (laughs) I like my feet on solid ground. Anyway, we were going down the runway to take off, and I was looking out the window, and I said, Lord, please be my pilot on this plane and take me there safely, because I just don't like to fly. And out on the... out of the window in the airplane, I saw two angels. God doesn't wow. usually let us see the spirit yeah. world around us. Two angels. They were huge. They were probably 12 feet long. Wow. They had their fingertips under the edge of the plane, and they were just laughing with joy. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to get there safely. If those are my guardian angels, I don't have a thing to worry about. Wow. So. You were freaked out by that? Hmm? Were you freaked out by that? Like that, that oh, would no. make me go, uh, No, because oh, wow. God has done so many things, you know. Right. But it's like that uh, Isaiah, um, um, Elijah and his servant. Yeah. You know, Elijah was not concerned with all these people that were going to do away with him. Because he could see, and right. he said, Lord, open Gehazi's eyes and let him see. And, and the Lord did, and he saw all this heavenly host surrounding them, which we're not aware of, the, no. of, our, of our spiritual surroundings. 
once in a while God will pull the curtain back and we can see. Yeah. Not very often. Yeah. But they're there. They are. Yeah. Yeah, I can't decide sometimes if I want to see or not. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, uh, what I don't know is probably better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, I could just sit and listen to you forever. I just think oh. you you have some really amazing stories. Well, and it's it, just God, you know. It is the Lord, but it, I, what fascinates me, and this is, I think, the thing God's given to me as a gift, is to see the relationship that other people have with God. Yeah. And uh, so your relationship with God just fascinates me. It gives me a lot of joy. Oh. I know that our friends listening... Give me joy, too. ...have been... <laughs> So I know our friends listening will be encouraged as well. And so I appreciate that you've just shared your story with us, even though, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more we could talk about. Um, But thank you for doing it. Thanks for letting me just come visit you here. You are so welcome. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed Edith's story as much as I did. I really enjoyed just listening to her talk about friendship with God. Isn't that just beautiful? Uh, you know, after that interview, we stopped recording. I actually talked to her for at least another, I don't know, half hour, 40 minutes. And she just shared more stories. And I really was sad that I hadn't recorded them because uh, they were just so, so beautiful. But friends, go find somebody like this in your life. Um, if you don't have one at your church, uh, they're out there. Just, just look for them. And you can always ask the Lord to show you somebody who has a really intimate friendship with him and uh, just sit sit at their feet and let them tell you stories. I know it bolsters my faith. I'm sure it will yours as well. Okay, guys. Hey, don't forget, go out to your favorite social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever it is, and just let me know what you think about the show. You can always do a review on iTunes or just go to halfwaytherepodcast.com. You can get show notes. If you want to link to Edith Edith's uh, YouTube page, that'll make it easy. And um, hit that contact button on halfwaytherepodcast.com. You can send me an email. I want to hear from you. I want to know how uh, this show resonates with you in your heart and uh, if it's actually doing what I want it to do and what I think God wants it to do. So reach out. Uh, until next time, guys, keep the faith, all right? All right.